Hello and welcome to a podcast from the Oxford International Centre for Publishing Studies. This podcast was recorded at the Society of Young Publishers Conference in November 2013. This seminar, Getting Into Publishing, was given by Claire Louise Kemp and Kelly Millar, both from Atwood Tate. Um, I'd just like to introduce to you uh, Claire Louise Kemp and Kelly Miller. They're both from Atwood Tate and I'm very pleased to say they've been our platinum sponsors for this conference and they've really, really helped out a lot this time. <laughs> so thank you very much and over to you guys. Thank you. Hi, well, welcome to uh, Getting Into Publishing. Um, now, I'm Claire Louise and this is Kelly um, and we're from a company called Atwood Tate. Um, sorry, technology, not a fan. Um, now, Appetate, we're a publishing recruitment company, uh, so it is our job to find people to work at particular companies. Um, and our clients pay us to make sure that we get the best candidates possible, and uh, this is where you guys come in. Um, now, we have an office in London and an office in Oxford, um, but we work on roles across the whole country and also internationally and across the entire of publishing, so be that academic, educational, trade, STM, B2B, children's, something that's not even been invented yet, editorial, uh, rights, production, marketing, we're here. You name it, we do it. Um, and Claire Louise is based primarily in the Oxford office. I am based in London, but I also work with Oxford clients as well. Um, now, as a company, everybody has worked in publishing, so we've all been where you are now. Um, we have been there and done that, so learn from us. Um, we now all work in the recruitment side. Um, we've all got slightly different areas of specialities. Um, myself, personally, I uh, studied archaeology and computer science. Um, then I spent a few years as a social worker. And then I decided, you know what, publishing, that sounds like fun. So I moved to Oxford. Um, and I got a job working at OUP in the Children's Rights Department. Did that for a couple of years, um, and then I joined that with Tate about two years ago, and kind of used everything I've learned up till now to help you guys find your job in publishing. Um, and I focus on permanent roles, kind of in Oxford and nationwide. And I fell into recruitment. I've been in the business for over six years. I've been with that with Tate now since April. Um, using my expertise in temping and freelance roles due to the demand. But I was a budding writer. I also worked in the film and TV industry before working in recruitment. Um, I started off in publishing recruitment, working with the pub magazine houses as well as newspaper groups. Um, the company was quite small, so I was working on both temporary and permanent jobs. <coughs> and now I'm here to help you with Ed with Tate. Um, now, what we're going to talk about today um, is all going to hopefully help you get your job in publishing um, or move on within your career, um, but we're going to focus on kind of the things that you can do for yourself to help yourselves and better position yourself, the things that we can do um, as an agency to help you, kind of what our role is in the picture. Um, Kelly's then going to talk more about temping um, and how that fits into the picture of work experience, internship and also gaining experience. Then hopefully at the end there'll be time for a general Q&A. We're kind of going to see how things progress. So, to start with, what can you do to help yourself find that first job in publishing? Um, but before I get to that particular point, can I just kind of have a show of hands? Who's here is just starting their career and is looking for their first sort of job? Come on, let me show you. Okay, so about half of you. Um, who here is looking to kind of move their career on that next step? Uh, again, a few tips and tricks. Okay. Um, have any of you guys worked with an agency before? One. Oh, wow. All fresh, fresh faces. <laughs> um, now, uh, we're going to be talking a lot of things and tips and tricks. Do make notes. There might be a small quiz at the end. Um, <laughs> and there might be prizes. But also, we've got our website, atwoodtake.co.uk, and an associated blog. Um, and on there, there is all the resources I'm going to talk about today, structure of your CV, cover letter templates, interview with media professionals, uh, job profiles, gossip, latest industry news. It's all there. 
So if you've forgotten anything, you can always go to the website or ask us a question. Um, drop us an email, pick up the phone. We're very friendly and approachable. Absolutely. Um, but what can you do for yourself? Probably the first thing I would suggest you do is work out what you want to do. Focus your search and your career plan. Publishing is a huge, huge industry. Um, we mentioned at the start all the job types that we work on, um, all the different sectors. It's okay to say, I want a job in publishing, but what does that mean? Do you want to be an editor? Do you want to be a production professional? Do you want to work in rights? Do you want to work on the digital? Are you print only? Are you children's? Are you STM journals? All of those job types have things which are unique to them as well as transferable skills to the other sectors. So focusing your search roughly on what you want will help you be more employable and also when you're at interview you can answer the questions that you ask better, you know more what's expected of you. Um, and also at the same time I also think generally while you're starting out it's also very good to get your experience in an office, build up your admin skills and that also helps to, to um, get you used to, to a corporate environment, you know, how, how to listen to, to superiors, how to follow those instructions, and what it's actually like in a nine-to-five environment. But it's, it's okay to say, I want to work in publishing because I love words. But so does everybody else in publishing. It's not an industry you work in to make money. Let's face it, we're not the best paid professionals in the world. Um, everybody in the industry has a passion for the industry, so just saying I like books doesn't make you stand out from the crowd. Saying I'm passionate, for example, about education and promoting literacy and rights within children's publishing make, immediately makes you much more interesting and can help the employer go, I can see them working for me and I know that they want to work with me. So but, The business as a whole is also really friendly. The people in it are lovely. They're all nice, they're all really approachable. Everybody loves what they do, and everybody in the business is willing to teach you even more skills and help you to learn and progress. That's the kind of industry that you're going into. Um, so you've kind of worked out roughly what you want to do, you've done a bit of research, you thought, mm, I kind of want to work in trade, or I want to, be a want to work in production, I'm not quite sure on the sector, but I know it's production, or I'm really organized, I like making sure schedules work. Um, so next, Get your CV up to date. Um, the CV might be one of the most important documents you ever write in your life, not to really scale you. Um, but on average, around about 200 people apply for entry-level positions. Um, and as you progress up, that number does diminish, but the competition is still severe. Um, so you need to make sure that your cover letter and your CV are absolutely polished as good a representation of you as the individual as possible. So in the 30 seconds that a hiring manager is looking at your CV, you grab their attention and go, that's the person I want to interview. Um, now there are many different ways of writing your CV, <coughs> but the industry standard is no more than two pages. It contains your education, your qualifications, your previous work experience, um, and maybe a little bit of a personal summary about you, um, targeted for the job you're applying for. And the other thing about the CV is, is don't have an editorial, don't write your life story on the CV. The most important thing is to bullet point clearly and quickly. It's a professional document and it's got to answer clearly why you can do the job you're applying for. Um, if it's not important, don't put it on there. The uh, CV gets you to the interview. You can talk about your, your skills and your experience in more depth in front of that hiring manager who matters. Um, and it goes without saying, hopefully, typos in an editorial CV, you shouldn't have any. <laughs> um, and I can, it's pretty much an unwritten law of uh, recruitment, but if you mention um, attention to detail, there will be a typo somewhere in your CV. <laughs> so uh, print it off, stick it in a drawer, go have a cup of tea, chat with your friends, and get somebody else to read it with a fresh pair of eyes. Um, and always triple check that you've sent the right CV off to the right job. Um, and spell check, you know, excellent tool, really handy, but also it can make, it, it can overlook something that is a word when it, it, it's actually an error. 
So that's also definitely something to triple check. Um, there and there, words like that, be aware of them. Um, I've seen it all, trust me. I've even seen an editorial CV with the word editorial spelt incorrectly. Manager, manger, <laughs> stationary, stationary. It's important to know the difference. You don't want to be that person, trust no. me. No. <laughs> Um, now, along with your CV is your cover letter. Um, that is as important, if not more so, than the CV. Um, the C cover letter, most people read it first, and it's what makes a hiring manager go, oh, hang on a minute, this is an interesting person. This person has the skills I'm looking for, so I'm gonna give time to then check, check on the CV and ask them for an interview. Um, again, it's not your life story but it is a chance to go a little bit more in depth about your particular key skills and how they're relevant to the job you are applying for. Um, if you're really at a loss, maybe pick three key things off the job description and say, you want somebody with really good um, office skills? Well, I have worked in many offices and I can use a photocopy. Um, please don't use that verbatim, <laughs> um, but that kind of thing, if you're at a loss, can give you a good starting point but do not go over a page. Um, and also try and identify what it is about the particular job or the company that you want to do. This goes back to the idea of focusing. Um, companies want to employ you because you want to work with them. So the covering letter also allows you to beg a little. <laughs> um, it's okay to say, I want this job because. Um, I want to work in educational publishing because I'm a strong believer in children's literacy and I want to promote it and you used books that I've used in the past. I'm an ELT teacher and I want to work as a development editor and I've used your resources and admire them. You're better than the competition and you are awesome. You can say roughly that sort of thing. But basically in the covering letter what happens is you're also given a job description and it lists all the details and the criteria that the, the client is looking for. And basically, you're using the job description as an outline of what to include in your cover letter. So if they need somebody who has excellent Excel skills, you're going to focus on that as well. So literally, use the job description as your guide, especially in the bottom. They always have a section called Person Specifics, where they mention the type of personality that they want, additional skills that they might need from a candidate. All those things are to be included in the cover letter but try and avoid cliches. Um, if I had a pound for every time somebody said they were a motivated self-starter, I would be a very rich, rich woman right now who could actually utter sentences. Um, we read those kind of phrases so many times, they mean nothing. So try and think of a different way of presenting yourself. Um, that being said, don't reinvent the wheel. There are certain standard phrases which are used because they work. Um, the job description is a good guide. If yeah. you're confused and you don't know where to start, it's a helpful, helpful, helpful starting point. Yeah. Um, kind of last tip with regard cover letters: um, the use of yours faithfully and yours sincerely. This does make a bit of a difference. Um, if you're addressing the cover letter to dear sir, madam, then you use yours faithfully. <laughs> if it's to a named person, it's yours sincerely. If you're applying directly, always try and find a name of somebody who you're writing to, be that the HR manager or the hiring manager. Um, it can vary from company to company. Um, if you're applying through an agency like ourselves, then dear sir, madam is fine. Um, you can still write to me, I don't mind. <laughs> but as a rule, we kind of tweak, we tweak that. Um, so if you do get it wrong, we will change it. But at the same time, we don't want to have to alter it and we're not gonna be there all the time. So help yourselves with those things. Now, we've sorted out the cover letter. You've got your CV, you're ready to apply. Um, work experience and internships and temping can be really handy, a good way of building experience, and Kelly will be talking about that a bit more a bit later on today. Um, at the same time, they're not essential. It's possible to get your first job in publishing or move on without having work experience or an internship. Um, but office skills and admin skills and actually hired and paid employment is really, really, really valuable. So even if you're having to kind of move sideways, if you've got experience working in an office, that's really good to have on your CV. But always remember as well, an internship is also treated as a working interview. Even though you're working for free, you're still getting very valuable experience 
and all those hiring managers' eyes are on you and your performance and what you're giving. Um, and you never know if there might be an opportunity coming up in the company and you're a known entity so they can say, well, why don't you apply? Um, and this relates to my next point of networking. Publishing is a very small industry. Everybody kind of knows everybody else or knows somebody who knows somebody else. And you'll be bumping into the same people throughout your publishing lives. So always try and make a good impression um, and consistently try and make a good first impression. Now, there are many networking events you can go to. SYP does loads and they're really helpful. You can meet lots of other industry professionals. There's also things like Book Machine, Gallery <coughs> Club, um, Opus, um, there's Twitter, there's blogs, there's Facebook, there's LinkedIn. Um, get out there and talk to your peers and talk to the people that you would like to work with. Everybody likes talking about themselves and the kind of things they do. So treat every opportunity to learn, learn something, get experience, um, exchange business cards. There's nothing worse than being at a networking event and to make a really good contact and they go, oh, what's your name and email address? I'll contact you after the event and you've got nothing to give them. So have your name printed on a piece of paper, have some business cards made up, you can get them made up really quickly, really ch quite cheaply, and it's useful. If you're investing in yourself and in your career, it might be useful to have, because you don't want to be scrabbling around and writing your name on the back of a bar ticket. It's not gonna look professional. But also when you're networking, you know, it's a really important way of getting to know everybody in the business, making loads and loads of friends. But please put those events on your CV in terms of interests. You're really passionate about networking. You know, you network with the SYP. You're doing this, you're doing that, you're doing that. It just also demonstrates to employers how passionate about the business you really are. Um, and a note here on social media and blogging. Um, it can be a brilliant way of connecting with people in the industry. Um, Twitter in particular is becoming a really powerful tool. If you are going to be using that for networking, make sure everything you put on there is professional and would you, you don't mind being asked about in an interview. Especially if you put your blog on your CV, you will be asked about it. Um, if you've got a Twitter handle with your own name on it, you will come up in Google searches. And recruiters do check. Yes, and you're research researching all the employers, but they're also researching you. Please remember that. So, it's okay to put the drunken photos on Facebook, but lock your profile down. Um, I would suggest if you'd be embarrassed about your mother seeing your photos, don't put them on the internet. <laughs> Which takes us to interviews. Um, now, hopefully you've got a fantastic CV, you've got an awesome cover letter, you've networked, you've made those connections. Um, and you've been asked to interview. It can be really daunting, but treat it like a two-way conversation. Um, it's your chance to get to know the company as much as it's the company's chance to get to know you. Um, so it's okay to have an interview and at the end go, I don't want to work at that company because. Um, but don't say that to their face. Just decline the job if they offer it to you. <laughs> we always say that it's better that you turn them down instead of them turning you down. <laughs> But an interview has essentially two purposes. The first is to reassure a hiring manager that you can do the job they want to hire you for. Um, this is where researching and preparing, um, you cannot prepare enough. Go through the job description, have examples prepared for every point they could ask you about. There's something called a competency-based interview um, where they essentially, the hiring manager will go through the job description and go, give me an example of when you did this. Um, if you're prepared, you will have examples to show them. Um, there are also interviews that are more kind of a general, kind of informal conversation, but still be prepared and have researched the company before you go, and also research their competitors. Know what they do well, know what they might do better, because sometimes, especially as you progress up the career ladder, they might say, well, how would you suggest we work better as a company? And you don't want to be put on the spot and go, I don't know what you publish, so I don't know. But also I think that, you know, the interview is also a chance to make some new friends, new contacts. You know, it, it's, it's a way of you also, what's very important in an interview is also to establish rapport with the person who's interviewing you. Everybody's human. You know, they, they, they may have a bigger job title at the moment. And the ha 
power to make or break your job. But, you know, by establishing that rapport, it, it allows you to see how you're going to fit into the company as well. And you can relate on that human level. So don't be afraid to, to, to try and crack a little joke or, or have a little laugh in the interview. I'm going to see, read, read how the interview's going. It's probably going to be a panel. There's almost guaranteed to be somebody on the panel who's got really negative body languages and is glowering and asking really horrible questions. They're not really that mean in real life. They're just kind of seeing how you react to an awkward situation. So just smile. Inside you can be quaking, but outside you're calm and polite and professional and you can handle it. Um, now, when you're at an interview, sometimes quite a lot of the time you're not going to be successful. Don't treat that as a negative. You never know when an impression you have made is going to become something. It might be you're not right for the job you've interviewed for, but they know their colleague down the corridor who's hiring for a slightly different job, which you might be right for, and they recommend you for that job. It might be you come second, they offer it to somebody, and the job falls through, that person turns it down, in which case they ring you back and go, actually, you know what, we do want you to have the job. Um, so always, always, always be prepared to make a positive impression um, and learn from every experience. And I also say that in an interview, you know, one of the questions that employers will ask is, tell me what your strengths are. And the most important thing about the strengths is to come up with some really solid adjectives, really positive, highly motivated, <coughs> organized, calm under pressure, a good team player, but at the same time I can still work independently on my own projects. I'm proactive. You don't have to tell me what to do twice. I always write things down. I'm on time. I'm conscientious. I'm never sick. Positive things like that, <laughs> you know. Um, and if they've mentioned a particular quality on the job description, then try and get that word into the interview. Um, they might not consciously pick up on it, but when they review afterwards, they are going to remember those things. And another question that employers always ask, what are your weaknesses? The most important thing about the weakness question is to not really actually give them one. Find something that you were weak in at first, perhaps, and just turn it into a strength, such as being organized. Okay, I had a problem with multitasking, but what I've now learned to do is how to write things down, how to manage my time more effectively, record all my deadlines in advance, so that way, I've, I'm now I can multitask with ease. I'm, I'm much stronger, much more organized as a person. Anything like that. And if you've got an example for how you're organized, maybe you've um, done helped arrange an SYP conference. Um, that takes a lot of organization. So you can mention that as something that you've done as a concrete example, rather than just kind of saying it. Want to prove it? Um, now there are lots of other tips and tricks. Body language. Um, what to wear, always dress smartly. Um, there's plenty more of those, as I mentioned, on our website. Um, a few cardinal sins. Don't be late. Um, try and turn up about 10 minutes beforehand. Um, now, sometimes things happen. Traffic, trains get delayed, who knows. Always contact the company who's arranging the interview and let them know as soon as you know something's going on. Um, if, the if we as an agency or another agency has helped you arrange the interview, also let the agency know and then they can get the message to the person who's waiting to interview you. Um, always dress smartly. It might be that the company themselves has a relaxed dress code. You're not going to know that till you've interviewed. So guys, yes, it might mean a suit. Um, or girls, a nice dress, or smart, but be comfortable. Don't buy a suit if it's really uncomfortable. If you don't feel comfortable in the suit, smart trousers and a shirt do wonders. And no stilettos. <laughs> we don't want any accidents before your big day. No jeans. Um, if you've got tattoos or visible piercings, I would suggest you cover them or remove them. Um, again, quite a lot of companies are very relaxed about that when you've actually got the job, but until you've got there, you don't know what their policy is. So you want to make a good, positive impression as possible. But you know, dressing smart makes you feel good. You get to look your best, you feel your best, you're in your power outfit and your best colors. It helps to give you more confidence as a, as a person. Okay, um, so 
that's what you can do for yourself. Um, a bit more about what we do as an agency. Essentially, our job is to find candidates for a company. Um, and we do that in a couple of ways. Primarily, we tell you about jobs. Um, a company comes to us and say, we need an editorial assistant. Then we go out to our database of people and we advertise and try and find good editorial assistants. Um, how do we know you're good? We like to meet you face to face, if at all possible, or have a phone conversation. That way we can kind of get to know your strengths, your weaknesses, what kind of thing you, what you want as a career, so we can better help match make you into a role that might be suitable for you. Um, so you're happy and the client is happy. Um, the client will also tell us a lot more detail about the job than appears on a job description or on a job advert. So they might say that it's vital that you have X, Y, Z skills and then we can help kind of find the right people with those skills. Um, you come to me and say, I want to do this job. I'm gonna be honest with you. Um, if I don't think you're right for the job, I will tell you. If you can then persuade me that actually you know what, I'm wrong, and you are right for the job, I will then do my very best to persuade the company that you're right. But there are gonna be times where I have to say no. Um, but we work in partnership. But we could also help you to tailor your CV. Um, from my own past experience, I find that people sometimes leave really important details off their CV. So, as you say, we always discover people who might not be suitable for the job, and I'll say, but you don't have X, you don't have X. Oh, but I do, but I do. Why isn't it on your CV? So what we do is we can help you to tailor that and make sure that it is focused and tailored and you're demonstrating the experience that you do have. Um, so we provide you support throughout that process. Um, it's our job to get you in front of the manager, essentially, to get you to interview. Once you're in interview, we make you as prepared as possible. We can only give you the information, it's up to you what you do with it. But also we can offer a prep service for anybody who's possibly less experienced in interviews and maybe a little bit nervous, we can give you guidance and tips. Um, and we can also help you progress further in your career. You might have had your first job or your second job or your third or your fourth or your fifth job. And you're going, you know what, it's time for change. I want to move on. You can come to us and say, okay, help me start looking. Once your CV's on our database, then you'll start coming up in searches. You can sign up for our alert system. Um, or you can see the jobs advertised on the bookseller, on the Guardian, on Twitter, on LinkedIn, on Facebook. They're everywhere. But we are your friends for life. Once when you're in the database, we're a team. Um, but we don't just go responding to adverts. If we meet a candidate who we think is the best thing since bread came sliced, then we will actively promote to companies we think are interested. We'll send off an anonymous summary or pick up the phone to the hiring manager or an HR manager and go, you know what, I've just met a brilliant candidate. I think they're awesome for your company. Do you want to meet them? Um, so that's something else we offer kind of as part of on the side, which all comes back to having met you and understand what you're looking for and what your strengths are. And that's when the matchmaking really comes in handy. And our knowledge of the industry, um, we know an awful lot about an awful lot of different things. We're also active on Twitter ourselves personally. We also go to conferences. We learn all the time, we read the trade magazines, um, we kind of pay attention to the changes in the industry so we can help you be better informed. Um, so yeah, so read our blog as well, very interesting place. And follow us on Twitter because we always, um, we advertise publishing news, sometimes jobs that we, we, we don't put online, we'll tweet, and uh, well, it's an interesting site. Um, now, there are a couple of things we don't do. Um, we are paid by the client, by the hiring company. Um, so our service to you is free, but at the end of the day, we are responsible to the penguins and the uh, Elsevier's and the Taylor Francis's of this world. We have to deliver. So if they say they want a specific skill set, we are contractually obliged to find that specific skill set. So this goes back to being honest with you. If we say no, there is a genuine reason. We do look at every CV and every application. But publishing is a very competitive business, not just from your side, but also ours. And we need to, to make sure that our clients are happy with the service that they're delivering, because if they're not, they'll go to another agency. 
and we, we, we don't want that to happen. So you can stop that happening by making sure your CV's up to date, your cover letter's up to date, and your proactive partnership, we work together to get you to the next job. Um, we also don't proofread your CV or your cover letter. We will read for content, uh, but if we see obvious mistakes, we will tell you. But we're not going to spot everything, so make sure you spot those for yourself. Um, and now, Kelly's going to talk a bit about internships. Yes. I am the Temps Consultant at Tate, and I want to tell you why temping is different. Um, basically, my job is to help you at your level get your next paid role. Um, temping is different because it's a much more relationship building process. Once when you become a temp on my books, you're kind of stuck with me. Um, what I do is I help you. Um, you're the new stars of the future, and um, I help you. Um, I am your agent. Um, it's my job to keep in contact with you at all times um, about roles that are coming up. But also, temping is a much faster-paced process. Clients come to me because there's an urgent need. They don't want somebody next week or next month. They want somebody now. So basically, what I do is I search my database of people who have the skills that I need which doesn't necessarily have to be in publishing. But if you've got some good admin skills, excellent customer service, really good Excel skills, then I can help you get your first paid temping assignment. So with those, um, temp jobs are really not advertised very often. They'll probably appear on our website and on our Twitter feed. Um, but Kelly works with people she knows, um, so do get in touch with her. Um, you might want to consider temping as an alternative to an internship or alongside, because it's paid experience and money is always good. But also, I mean, what I do is I help you to tailor your CV. I write a, 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 a paragraph about you and, and why you're interested in this particular assignment and the reason why I'm putting you forward. So I need you to help me as much as I'm helping you. <coughs> Sometimes a client will interview you. Sometimes they won't. I just need them to start tomorrow. But what I do is I will brief you as much as I possibly can. At your level of experience, it's my job to make you comfortable and happy. I'm not just going to throw you into a job you cannot do. I'm here to help you use the skills that you've been developing in your internships so when you step into your first paid assignment, you're comfortable. I can do this, and you're also getting paid to do it. Um, there is a lot of paperwork involved at the beginning, so um, we have contracts to sign, uh, we pay you as an agency while you're temping for us, so we have payroll documents that are involved. Um, we, also, we also reference check for our clients. Because it's such a quick turnaround and a real fast process, they want us to know that we have reliable people on our books. So I will get those references, and sometimes clients also ask for them as well. But once, when all that is done, you can begin working. Um, we don't have to do that paperwork again. But also with temping, you can come back to me time and time again. You might do an assignment for a month, get another internship at the publisher of your dreams. You might choose to work for another recruitment agent, but still, you can come back to me over and over and over again. And hopefully the next temping assignment will lead to a permanent job for you. So we're there to present opportunities and it's up to you to take them up. Um, average length for temp contracts, about a month, but some can be a week, two weeks, some can run for longer than that. Um, as Kelly mentioned, some of them do become permanent positions. Um, or the hiring manager's met you and goes, hang on a minute, you're really awesome, I think you're, the, I think you're great. Um, I know there's a permanent job going in my company, why don't you apply for it? But also, one of the most important things about temping, again, is we pay you as an agency. I'm your go-to person. If you have a problem, if you're late, if you're sick, if you want holiday, you come to me. You know, sometimes things do happen. But at the same time, the most important document is the timesheet. I get you to fill out your hours every week. We deduct your lunch breaks from it. and. We need you to get your hiring manager to sign that document. You then send it back to me so I can pay you. Um, it, it takes a bit of reminding at first, but once when you, you, if you don't send me that document, you don't get paid. 
and I will chase you in the beginning, but you know, it's up to you. If you want to get paid, send me the timesheet. But our temp roles are all over the country. Um, because publishing is primarily focused in London and Oxford, that's where the majority are, but we do have clients all over the country, um, across all sectors, all job types, and all levels. So maybe um, you've decided to take a break from your current company, or there's been a restructure, these things happen, um, and while you're looking for the new permanent position, um, you want to keep your hand in, you want to keep involved, we can do temps, we can do short-term contracts. Those kind of things come up quite often, as do maternity cover contracts, which can be a really good way of increasing your exposure and helping build your skills and stretch yourself um, to the next level. But also at the same time, recruitment is a service business. We're not just responsible to make our clients happy, we're responsible to make you happy. As you're starting off on your career, and you're gonna be coming back to Outwitate time and time again, and also one of these days you're gonna be in that position where it's your turn to pick the agency that you wanna work with. And well, you know, we want you to remember us fondly as well. Um, so that's pretty much our presentation. Um, there's nine of us working at the Tate on jobs across various sectors all around the country. Um, I manage the Oxford office, as I mentioned at the start. Kelly does the temps. Um, if in doubt, drop one of us a line and we can make sure that the right person speaks to you. But we're very much one company with one database. So just because you speak to one consultant doesn't mean you're not going to hear about things elsewhere. No, we're a team. Everybody shares. And also, we're having a Q&A later. And we'll be happy to um, answer any questions that you ha may have in more depth. Um, but before we get to the Q&A in here, um, for a very small prize, it's nothing exciting, um, who can tell me the proper signature for a cover letter and which way around it goes? Come on, Miss Sweets. Yours sincerely and firmly, Charles Stacey, that's same as Excellent. <laughs> Where did I put the sweets? <laughs> you could be doing in it and it can also be a good way of making contacts um, a lot of master's courses um, will arrange work placements with different companies they've got relationships they'll arrange events and yes it can be very very useful but it is expensive um, so also gaining experience in an office um, doing other internships and just generally building your CV and living a life can be just as useful um, so it's whether it's right for you as a person. But if you can get the education, do it, but you don't have to. Um, I don't, for example, have a master's and I got a job in publishing, so. <laughs> yeah. um, 
I fully agree with you. The most important thing is give yourself room to sell. People will check your references once when you're actually given a job. So basically, available on request is the best thing you can put. Unless the job advert specifically says details of your references. That does happen occasionally, but as a rule, available on request is fine. Yep. Um, at what point did you sort of stop talking about GCSEs? <laughs> <laughs> um, it's kind of how long's a piece of string question. Um, I would say GCSEs is the first thing to drop off your CV if you're running out of space. Um, especially if you've got um, a degree or a master's degree, then GCSEs, you need them to get to that point so they're no longer really as relevant. But again, some companies do want to know what the GCSEs are, so be prepared to put them back on if a job advert specifically requests them. Um, but always tailor your CV to the amount of space you've got. We did say that two pages is standard, that's fine. But also I've seen some very good one-page CVs, um, especially if you're at the start of a career and you don't have a lot of things to fill in two pages of space. It's okay to condense it down and be concise. I'd rather read one page than two pages, quite frankly, less to print. But you know, from my own experience, clients love it when you work hard. So don't be afraid to put that bar job down or, or the retail work that you've been doing as well as while studying. You don't have to go into detail about every little thing that you were doing, but they like to see it. Oh, they're studying, they're working hard, that's my kind of person. And if you're going for a sales role and you were the top salesperson in, the, um, in your area, put it on the CV. It's good, it shows that you can actually sell. Um, but if you're going for an editor editorial role, slightly less important. Okay, in the back. Um, I noticed that a lot of um, job stickers I see recently, I noticed they don't tend to specify a starting date. I'm, I'm only halfway through my final year at uni. Is it, would you say it's still worth applying? Or I would say at this stage, it's probably a little bit too early to be looking at permanent positions. Um, while people are willing to wait for the right candidate, at entry level in particular, they're not going to want to wait more than one month, maybe two months. Um, even as you get to more senior, three months is kind of the longest people are going to want to wait unless you are absolutely amazing. Which is not to say you're not. <laughs> um, I would think at this point, maybe think, can you fit temp work in around your work, around your undergrad? Are you doing undergrad or a master's? Undergrad. undergrad. But I would actually suggest focus on undergrad <laughs> and milking it for all it's worth and then kind of in the spring when you're kind of starting to stay a dissertation in the face um, then's when you've also got to start thinking about maybe starting to look at my CV starting to think getting an eye on what's out there ready to apply for the summer and things that start in the summer okay. um, as an international type I'm just wondering in terms of full-time work do you think employers tend to avoid people they might have what kind of level are you at? Are you looking for the first kind of job, moving on Not a bit? first job, but first job in publishing. Um, it's really very tricky. Um, I know a lot of companies won't sponsor. Um, it becomes really quite complicated, and they have to prove that you're not taking a job away from somebody in already in the UK, which you probably at that stage are. There's also um, various thresholds with regard earnings, and a start job might not meet that threshold. The, by every case is different. I can't give general generalities, but yes, it is harder if you are international um, and you haven't got that kind of visa already lined up. But some companies are willing to sponsor. We could certainly get you work in contract roles. Um, legally, you know, <laughs> we, we have to abide by certain laws as a, as a recruiter and we can get you work within your visa time limit. If the client does hire you for a contract role and chooses to feel that you're an asset, they can at that point choose to sponsor you if you wish. But legally, we can't put candidates forward who want sponsorship. If you don't have the right to work, then it gets very, very ethically great and tricky. When you're trying to line up a, a job with a company that you don't have any contacts with, how do you go about, if it's appropriate, contacting someone to maybe speak to them about the details of the job in order to kind of maybe get that kind of put up? 
If they've put a named person on the job description, use it. Or if, it's, if they're on the advert, they say, contact us for any questions, contact them. They would not say that if they didn't mean it. Um, as a general rule, people are really wary about putting their contact details out on the internet. So if they've put it on a job advert, they're prepared to be bombarded. But also, I found from personal experience, again, I used to work in film, t film and TV before publishing. And one of the things that I used to do is pick a company that I wanted to work for, find a role that I really wanted to do, research the name of that person who was doing that job, who was the best in their field, call them, tell them I'd love their work and their, 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 I'd love to work for them and their I'm company. I'm Kelly speaking one. <laughs> but also, invite them for a cup of coffee and a 15-minute chat. Can I learn more about you? How did you get into the business? I'd love to learn from you. Do you have 15 minutes? But I would do that via email. Um, people are very busy, and if, you're, if you've got to answer the phone, they don't know who's at the other end, they're not prepared for your questions, and they're going to be flustered, and they're going to be a little bit annoyed that you've interrupted them. So send them an email and say, I really want to work at your company, I love what you do, could we arrange a time to have a phone conversation, or could I take you for a drink? Um, yeah. and, and then also, follow up, and maybe a few weeks later, just following up, and then leave it. And they will get to you when they are ready. <laughs> um, LinkedIn can be a really useful tool. Um, more and more people putting their details on there. Um, also, don't underestimate Google. Um, just Google their name, see what comes up. Bookseller as well. Pay attention to kind of names listed in bookseller uh, news items, and that'll give you maybe a name of somebody who works at a company. And but do your research before you call them and know absolutely that you want to work for them and you will die to do it. Yeah, and have questions them. prepared that you want to ask. If you're applying through an agency, like ourselves, um, we tell you what the salary is, so you can kind of prepare that in advance. Um, there are resources out there, bookcareers.com, uh, they have kind of a salary breakdown. Um, just kind of know the rough banding for individual jobs. Assistant levels kind of going to be around about 18k, then kind of go up in 2k increments as jobs progress. But I would always, if you're asked at the first interview, what's your, what salary are you looking for? Say, I'm willing to discuss. What are you prepared to offer? Um, and just kind of put a ballpark figure down that you're prepared to work for. Don't undersell yourself, but don't oversell yourself either. No, so. I'd never undercut yourself. I'll work for free, I'll do anything. No, no, no. no. Put something down. 18,000. So 18,000 18, is a good starting kind of level. Um, so if they ask for your current salary, because my current salary is very slightly higher than it goes down, then if your current salary is higher, is that a, a problem? Or no. Um, always be honest. Never lie, because it will come back and you will get tripped up. Um, but if you want to change industries and you're paid a bit more somewhere else and you want to move into publishing, that's perfectly fine and acceptable. Yeah. <laughs> it very much depends on the editorial role. Um, if it's a development role, then um, yes, people from non-native speakers um, are welcome. Um, if Also, if your fluency is very, very good, then that's fine. If it's a role that's going to involve a lot of proofreading... Um, they need someone with very, very strong English. So it's kind of take each job on its merits, um, and if in doubt, ask them and say, I've got, I can speak English very well, are you prepared to, is it worth me having a conversation? Um, but yeah, it's a tricky area. And it's, are there roles that actually, they want you to proofread or assist in other languages? Sometimes. Um, there's so many different sorts of roles out there. Um, a lot of translation roles um, and copy editing roles are now done by freelancers, um, so they're not actually an in-house position anymore. They're done by a network of freelancers and people that companies already know. So that is something that people do set themselves up to be freelancing in that, 
Um, we can't help <laughs> on freelancing. It's the one thing we don't do. Lady at the back. Right. Um, you mentioned temp work and that it can sometimes, well, possibly be extended. If it is extended, how long for? That depends on the client. Um, if they're busy enough, also if they have the budget to afford to keep you on, um, they may also make you permanent if you prove yourself to be an asset to the company. But it really depends on the client's budget. Um, what do employers want to hear in order to give you a first work experience placement? That you want to work at that company in that particular job and why. Um, you can't just say, I want a job in publishing. You really, I mentioned at the start, that focus. Yeah, I'm not applying for jobs, it's yeah. just for work experience. Yeah, work experience. And I just want to make people get back to me. <laughs> <laughs> um, a little bit of research about the company, what do they publish? Um, be honest, but if there's books that they've published that you admire, mention that in your kind of letter. Um, and what, what, what kind of skills are you as a person? What can you offer that employer? What's going to make you the best, the best intern they ever had? Point those things out. Thank you. So I think we had a question. Yeah, um, does it help with your own sort of writing experience? Like if you've done, if you've published articles or anything like that? Is it, that useful? That, it like depends on the role you're going for. Um, some companies yes um, other companies no if you're writing about the similar subject matter to that publisher it's helpful but I just found from my own experience the budding writers they want people who have the skills that they could that they could use in their working environment writing is kind of a, a plus um, if it's within an academic context um, it can if you baby published in a particular journal that's been published by that company it can show that you're aware of their processes but you need to do it very very carefully if you're applying for a role that's not about writing then you don't necessarily want to say I'm a writer because I no. go why am I hiring you when I'm hiring you to be a writer if you're a copy editor or possibly in marketing where you have to write online content or even in publicity where you're writing press releases definitely important or if you're within a development editorial context um, and they want somebody within maybe ELT and somebody's had experience designing courses that might be used in teaching then yes that can be a handy extra skill to have so somebody at the back Get experience. <laughs> no. Um, think about what else you've done. Um, and you might want to think, well, a skills-based CV isn't quite right for you. Do you want to present instead a one-page pitch document where you lay out um, who you are and what you want to go for and kind of think of all your sundry other skills that you've got that you could bring in. But be aware, for every job you're applying for, there are many, many out there who have the experience that you don't currently have. But you can also do things like while at university or, or within your education. You might have been a member of a club. You might have organized things. You might have promoted things. You might have written things. You could have been a camp counselor somewhere in the summer. Talk about the duties that you did there that would be relevant to, to a role. mean by a weekly commitment? So, for example, I am currently doing um, my master's, so I have classes twice a week in the evening for a week. So, in terms of applying for, for temp work... Um, you could work 9 to 5? Yes. In a full-time capacity? If you have a lot of work that you're doing for your, 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 your education, you might want to work part-time, possibly three days a week, while you devote the extra time to your studies. But you can technically work nine to five while you're studying <coughs> six to eight, not a problem. But always be honest about your commitments um, and tell, especially if it's temping, tell Kelly up front so she knows. Yes. Going back to the work experience question, 
um, after having said off TV for a couple of sets a, a few weeks ago, having heard nothing back from several companies, <laughs> can you follow that up slightly, get seconding, say? I'd say wait two to three weeks, yeah. um, send a follow-up email, um, reattach any documents just in case, um, and then leave it. I would also recommend filming. I was wondering what time of the week is the best. So I was thinking about like Monday is not so good, Friday is not so good, <laughs> and, like, midday not so good, and then afternoon is so busy, and we just want to get back. Maybe around about 3 o'clock on the 3 o'clock tea time. <laughs> um, it, I, I, I just throwing that. There's really no way of guessing what somebody's work pattern's like, I'm afraid. Um, Fridays are always quite relaxed. Everybody's getting ready for the weekend. Um, they might appreciate a phone call. I would recommend in the morning rather than at 5 p.m. or, or 4.45, because um, they, can, they can have the time. They've had their cup of coffee, maybe 9.30, 10 o'clock. Yeah. You know, hi, I applied for work experience. Did you happen to get my CV and application? Um, can I come and talk to you about any work, or do you have anything coming up? Can I call you again? Can I send you an email in a few weeks? Done. Done. But if you'd applied through like an online portal and they've said, if you're unsuccessful, you won't hear anything, don't. They're not lying. No. <laughs> they don't delete anything, but they'll only get back if they're kind of interested. But um, I would certainly stagger email, phone call, email. And then just yeah. leave it. <laughs> yeah. And then find out what networking event they might be attending and turn up. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> With your business card in hand and go, Absolutely. Hi. <laughs> okay, back at the back again. It's not hard to get temp work. I mean, uh, clients, uh, like any full-time job, they, they <coughs> give me a job description, and I have to meet certain skills that that client needs. But if you've got those skills and you've got the experience, not a problem at all. Even if it's not directly in publishing, you've got the strong admin experience, really good customer service. Um, I'll take you on, gladly. your name, phone number, and an email address on it, um, and related to that, before I forget, make try and get an email address that is your name at, not some kind of... Now have a very professional Yeah, be professional. <laughs> I was trying to think of an example that yeah. I could say in public, and I can't think of one. Um, there's a company called Moo Cards, Moo.com, as in the noise that a cow makes, and they produce these little half-size business cards, and they look really cute, they're really affordable, and um, there's less space, so you don't have to worry about putting extra space on. And she, Laura there has new cards. Here. Thank you very much. Um, Put your name, your address, an email address, your mobile phone number. Yeah. They That's also do full-size business cards as well. Um, so Laura is prepared. Um, and you can put pretty designs on them. And on the back there's just a brief. For Laura's case, writer, research, editor, and her name and email address. Um, and that's really all you need. Um, but it could be that you can't afford to get business cards made. Um, so think about using um, printing your name onto lots of slips of paper multiple times and then cutting off with a pen and a piece of paper with a, with a pair of scissors. Well, we have to wrap this up. Are there any last minute questions? We are going to be back in here this afternoon for a more general Q&A where you can kind of come up on a one-to-one -one basis and ask us things. And thank you very much for listening. We appreciate your attention.